I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Are you ready? What's going on here? Resistance. Is futile. This indeed you are is Fan Effect. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Fan Effect Podcast, a KSL News Radio podcast sponsored by our friends at Megaplex Theaters, Utah's premier movie theater experience. And today I'm actually sitting with a, a local fan of ours. We've um, just had him on recording the In the Heights podcast, and it was such a fun thing. I wanted to keep him here. It was a blast. Thank you. <laughs> it was a blast. I'm here today with Hell Center Theater's Bobby Gibson, um, and he is a huge theater fan. He's a film fan. Absolutely. And he is a fan of Utah fan culture, which is what this one's about. So this podcast, we're going to highlight a local, and we're also going to talk a little bit about Hale Center Theater, uh, one of my favorite local theaters around here. It's great. I love that place. <laughs> and, like, how fun Utah is, because I always love talking about that. So thank you so much for, for joining us, Bobby. For for those who don't know you, um, I would like you to introduce yourself. Sure. My name is Bobby Gibson, and I have the pleasure of being a projection designer and a content creator for Hell Center Theater. Uh, projection is relatively new to the theater world, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily you know a normal role, but um, it's seen as either LED wall and or projectors that are used to place people in you know a different time or place or scenic elements, things that way. And so I have a lot of fun creating for this new section of theater that's relatively in diapers still. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what's so neat is theater has developed so much in the past few years. It's not just that picture frame proscenium of a show. Yeah. And it's really fun that you're at Health Center Theater because you have the theater in the round experience and with the new building, you actually do the projections, the projection screens that surround you. So you, even though the the stage is center, you're also kind of surrounded by it because of these screens. Yeah, you definitely are. So it's a lot of fun. It's a very different um, art or different connection. Typically, if you have a backdrop in theater, it's generally right behind the person Mm -hmm. in a traditional proscenium. And with that center stage, the screens are located well above above the audience and so it's a challenge but it's also something that's really fun and interesting to find new ways to connect the content to what's happening on stage well and it's kind of fun too because even from the moment you step into the theater and you're taking your seat you are surrounded literally by a part of the set by a part of that that projection yeah. and that's really cool and and that's actually your your background your education video yeah so i went to school for film digital video and mm-hmm. uh and production so i had a lot of fun with that i bounced around different local and movie sets over the about two-year period. Oh, and I didn't really love the lifestyle that came along with film, but I really loved the storytelling. I spent the next couple of years in marketing and telling story throughout that. And then um, I had the opportunity to work with Health Center Theater through my previous job and just really got to know the people there and kind of you know interacted with them. As the film part for me progressed, I actually started playing with animation and some different techniques mm-hmm. as well. And that's ultimately what projection is, is some of its actual live video, some of its animation, some of its, you know, different after effects that you use throughout. But it's a lot of fun. And it's like I said, it's something that's just so elementary new and it's not necessarily a field that a lot of people have played in. Well, and it's really neat, too, because it's so new. You've, it's been able to open up some different opportunities with the production at Hill. At the kind of the beginning of the pandemic, I was able to go see Strictly Ballroom. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And. Anyone who's a fan of the film, next time there's like a good production of Strictly Ball. Which is very rare. Go see it because yeah. the musical, the stage version, it is so good. And because you had those projection screens all around, you actually had a cameraman that was part of the show yeah. going in and out of the competition scenes and stuff. So you actually, the backstage areas yeah. were able to 
be drawn into the actual Absolutely, production. right? I mean, you're at a dance competition. I think we all see what happens on a dance competition on the stage. Mm-hmm. But some of the more interesting pieces happens backstage when they're just, you know, starting to warm yeah. up or talk or things like that. So we really wanted to bring some of that dialogue that would have happened, you know, as they were getting ready to go on or something like that to the stage. And we took a risk. It's kind of an odd thing. <laughs> There's actually like a two-minute section of that show that nothing is happening on the stage, but you're watching a screen it of what's happening so- backstage. <laughs> I love that. And I, I had a fun on that one, too, because I was in one of the like special little cafe tables that you're basically oh, so on the cool. stage yeah. so you're watching it. So that was a really, really a fun experience. Um, but so you said you started in film. Yeah. And did you do it any film sets here in Utah we might be aware yeah, of? Yeah, so I got to bounce around a couple of different productions. Mm-hmm. At the time, there was a couple of things with like high school musical filming. Yeah. So I got to help out with the third one, just a little bit on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I bounced around a bunch of student films. Um, I got to help grip for Need for Speed when it came through as well. A couple other things. But for the most part, I fell in love with creating like more video style things mm-hmm. I did more corporate style video things and or like storytelling when you jump into like a quick documentary style things yeah yeah um but yeah mostly more relatively unknown stuff before I kind of decided to make the change make the change here well and you were originally a more of a film buff before you transitioned to theater how, how did that yeah. kind of happen uh, so I had a friend that introduced me to come see a show and I've always kind of you know, been aware of theater, but never been really a big fan or anything. And I started going Foreign to shows. Concept for me, <laughs> right? Um, definitely not a theater kid growing up, but like wish that I was yeah. or could have been. But I had a friend invite me to some shows, and he had season tickets already. And his wife had to sit in a different. Him and his wife had to sit in a different place than me, so I would sit by myself. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Capitol Theater for about three or four seasons, just kind of singling out, sitting there <laughs> by myself watching shows and. Um, it's funny to me how many of the elements of film that I really liked or mm-hmm. enjoyed the most are in musical theater and even more exaggerated. Uh, the thing that I love most about musical theater is my ability to see somebody else's perspective and understand what they go through. Mm-hmm. Um, musical theater is very like, they call it like a heart song in musical theater yeah. where it's like you're revealing your innermost thoughts or dialogue. And I think that happens in film sometimes, but a lot of times, I mean, it happens all the time in film, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's more visual. It's more surrounding. You're right there watching it versus hearing how they feel. Yeah. And there's something about musical theater that just stuck out to me and I just kind of dove in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it, musical theater is one of those things you dive in and it, it just holds on and you never yes. you never get out. Yes. It is like the In quicksand the <laughs> of media. <laughs> it definitely is. And that's actually where you, you had a cute meet with your wife, right? Yeah. So one time during intermission, I would normally get there after work, so we couldn't really chat before. But one time during intermission, um, her and her friends would go to the theater in a big group. And they, her friend group kind of turned to me and were just kind of was like, what is your story? <laughs> Why are you here? We've seen you here for years and you're all by yourself and you're always all by yourself. Because I just had a single seat. Yeah, and yeah. It was kind of fun for them to just put me on the spot and be like, why are you here? Uh, We added each other on Facebook and just kind of got chatting. And then since then, I mean, we've been to well over 100 Broadway shows. We go back once or twice a year to see as much theater as we can. I am so jealous. I bet it's this year where a lot of things have shut down has been really difficult for you. Yeah, it's odd. This is the longest I've been away from New York City since I was 19. Oh, my gosh. And you're already planning your next trip to New York, correct? Yes. Yeah, the mayor of New York City announced the week back, and I took a big gamble not knowing what shows would be open, and I just bought plane tickets when they were still relatively low. <laughs> and we're going to jump back in and be in the room where it happens for the first night back and see some Love Hamilton. In the room and it happens. Yep, yep, yeah. Yep. We're going to kind of cycle back through some of the classics and go see uh, Wicked mm-hmm. and also a new show called Six. And then, mm-hmm. of course, catch Town as well that very first week that shows are open. I don't know Town as much, but I got my tickets today for the upcoming one yes. coming to the Eccles in 2022. Yes. Um, and then I know six is Henry the Eighth's wife's yeah, right. The wife's died, Henry beheaded, VIII. died, died, beheaded, survived. Yes, Thank you, exactly. Animaniacs or yes. Hysteria for teaching me that. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited. It'll be fun to go back and see some of the classics, and then also um, get to see Hades Town. The first time my wife and I saw Hades Town, it was just maybe a month before the Tonys, and it was like all the buzz and that uh-huh. kind of thing. And um, we both went, and we were a little bit tired, and we were like, "Oh, maybe we missed why this is a good show." <laughs> You know, um, it's a little bit like uh, a more challenging story. There's a little bit more to the story. And it's the classic tale of Persephone and Hades. Correct? Yeah, exactly. And then it was funny. The more I learned about it, the more that I really liked. Um, I had to go out for a business trip and I got the chance to see it again. Mm-hmm. And I think it was less that it was a show that I didn't like or a show that, you know, wasn't good to me or whatever. Uh-huh. And it was more that I just needed some time to really dive into the, the story. process and become more yeah. familiar with it. See, I'm, I'm very familiar with the story of Hades and Persephone. Then you my, will do well. My favorite <laughs> rendition of it is Lore Olympic. 
Olympics. Oh, yeah. On Olympus on Webtoon. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I learned a lot, actually, about the show because of things like that. Like, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's a beautiful modern uh, trend uh, version of it. It's a comic. Um, the comic book's coming out in October. Yes. I support the artist who's written it on Patreon. I mean, oh, that's how obsessed that's I am so with great. this. So I have my tickets to Town today. I need to dive into that there. Yes, definitely. Um, so as you've gone into in Broadway and different um, organizations and, and companies to see these performances, what's one that kind of sticks out to you that you've gone to see? Uh, there's so many. It's like asking me to choose my favorite child. Um, <laughs> my goodness. Um, obviously, Darren Hansen. I had a good chance to go see mm-hmm. Darren Hansen way back in the day when it was just like a concept album. It first came to D.C. and then off-Broadway. We got a chance to go see it off-Broadway. And then again, we actually got to go opening night when it hit Broadway. Oh, so mm-hmm. I love, love, love Darren Hansen. That's definitely one. And it's becoming more mainstream, which a lot of people are, you know, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm mad. Well, the it's film's more coming out yeah, soon, right? So mm-hmm. soon. It's going to be interesting, but... Um, I, I really enjoy that the story is being able to be told to more people. Mm-hmm. And then for whatever reason, there's a show that's kind of like um, considered more maybe a darker show or whatever. It's called Fun Home. Mm-hmm. And it's one that's lesser known. It was at the Circle in the Square in New York City. Um, well, and they did that at um, Salt Lake Acting yeah, Company. Yeah, Salt Lake recently. Slack yeah. had it as well. And they did yeah. wonderful with it. In fact, mm-hmm. the Slack version, I still to this day, is one of my lo- favorite mm-hmm. local productions. But And Slack, for people who don't know... Because I want to always encourage people to go oh, see sorry. shows here. Yes. Salt Lake Acting Company. Yep. Uh-huh. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right here in Salt Lake. So I really enjoyed that one. That's one that kind of always stuck with me and kind of really pushed me into kind of another realm of theater. And mm-hmm. kind of we always try to go see the shows that are maybe out and new and interesting. But we always choose one that's either, you know, a little bit more out there for us mm-hmm. or maybe not as recognizable. Yeah, yeah. And really try to dive in and see some of those shows. And there's something wonderful about going to see, you know, classic Cinderella, Rogers and Hammerstein. Oh, yeah. But then also about... Giving a chance to see something that you don't know as much about. Correct. Um, I we, we talked about this last when I, I met you really about how much I love Bright Star. Oh, gosh. and not as many people know about Bright Star right. because it was the same time as Hamilton. Yeah, it got totally overshadowed by mm-hmm. Hamilton. So there's something about giving a chance to a, a smaller production. I think one of my favorite productions I've ever seen is like a really, really small one. Uh, Snow College, when my sister was attending there, she was the stage manager for a production of Poseidon Adventure, the musical. And there's two versions of that, actually. I have no reference points. I'll have to look it up. (laughs) Have you ever seen Poseidon Adventure? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. The the cruise ship flips over. It's a comedy. It is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. We saw it three times while I was down there. And we live in Salt Lake, so it's kind of hard to travel. That's quite a drive, then. And that's the one I always tell my dad is I would do a show with him if, if we did that. But it's so obscure and the rights are so – I don't even know where he would get the rights from. Sure. But it's it's so funny. I, I think one of my favorite things about a theater experience and that was that's one that really highlights it is, is you can be in an audience with a group that might not be familiar with the story. And you're all laughing and experiencing the thing together. Right. And it's different when it's on the film, which is also wonderful and amazing and magical. Sure. When it's real people in front of you and they're feeding off that energy. 100%. So fun. So I think that's one of my my favorite theater experiences. Definitely. It's so funny. I joke with people sometimes. They're like, well, what do you like to do? What's your favorite <laughs> things? And I'm like, I like to sit mm-hmm. in a dark room with about a thousand strangers <laughs> and watch people act. And right. it's so cryptic and weird when you describe it that way. But it's also <laughs> so fun to go on that journey with mm-hmm. other people. And it's it's the hindsight that mm-hmm. only like a lifetime can give somebody and the interest that you can get. And to see somebody portray it right mm-hmm. actively in front of you, there's well, nothing like it. Right. And I'm such a people person. Um, I'm terrible at watching the people I'm watching a show with. I don't know if you noticed when we, we, we just saw in the Heights this week yep. and it was me. My dad was sitting next to me. Well, uh, Maddie. Maddie, who yeah. is, what does she do? At Maddie home? Ashton. She's a scenic designer and also a scenic artist. Mm-hmm. And then you, and there were so many times I'm like, okay, I've already talked to these people a bit. I see how much they know. I know the experiences my dad has had. And I'm just like, I'm going to, I'm going to watch them instead <laughs> of the screen for a bit and like hand my dad a tissue because we're both big crybabies and stuff. Of course. There's something magical, magical about that. Oh, there truly <laughs> is. I'm the same way. Um, I have the opportunity at Hale Center Theater to not only work on the shows, but my, one of my favorite things to do is to invite people people to the shows Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of times people think they know what theater is and if you're not familiar with Hill Center Theater there's so much tech in the building I Mm -hmm. mean maybe one of a very few buildings in the world that have the tech that we have which is odd if you think about it for like to be nestled in like the mountains in Utah (laughs) you're like national community theater sure sure yeah 
And it's so fun for me to bring somebody that's like, oh, I already made up their mind about musical theater. <laughs> and then they get there and the stage moves and the story's told and things like that. And that's something unique to Hale. But I love to watch people watch the show for the first time or discover mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. Bright Star, you referenced Bright Star. That was my favorite one to be like, just go to this. Well, what is it about? It's hard to tell people what it's about without giving it away. So I was like, just go. Steve Martin Bluegrass. Right, right. Time switching, beautifully done. <laughs> There's a moment when the the lead actress, she steps out of her shoes and literally steps into like her being a 16-year-old again. And in the I, most beautiful way. In the most beautiful way ever. I, I had the honor of seeing that at Pioneer Theater Company with oh. most of the original cast. Yes. And um, I actually, I went with a friend I hadn't seen for like 10 years from high school. We did theater together. And I had oh, very tickets neat. from when I worked at Mills Publishing, who does the playbills. Sure. And like literally we both were just like, <gasps> and clasped each other's hands at that part. Because there, there's, there's something about a real person on stage experiencing something. She's transitioning back to her childhood. The moment she slowly steps out from her high heels onto the stage. Right. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. There's just <laughs> something about that character too, that that age change Mm -hmm. and as they kind of bounce back and forth in that film um or sorry in that show she's Mm -hmm. uh yeah (laughs) we're talking about movies just now we we might have a little bit of a flubs here (laughs) but there's just something about that character um that hindsight that she has you know Mm -hmm. and it's it's sad there's some hurt there and there's some struggle there and it's so neat to see her be able to change back and forth those but things come together and it's hopeful and and that's really what theater is it's you're getting and and movies as well to a different extent you have this little window into someone's life into someone's reality and by allowing that in you change your own reality and you're able to experience so many different things and you you've been able to experience different things so you started in film and now you're in theater can you tell me a little bit about your experience and transition uh from one into the other and you still blend it with video production absolutely Mm -hmm. um so for me it actually was kind of a roundabout way i love to go to shows and Mm -hmm. i love when a show makes me stop and pause and think about how it works and Mm -hmm. it's interesting and so I'd always wanted to work in it but it was kind of one of those things where I was like I can't work in that I love it too much you know like (laughs) I can't rise to that you know Uh and so I kind of came about it indirectly Um, I had met some people because the company I had worked with was sponsored the theater Mm -hmm. and so I had met them and I did a couple of video shoots for them and then they just said have you ever thought about you know content creation for a show and Mm -hmm. I was like stop for a second is this before or after the shift of buildings um, this was actually they had already changed to their They'd new building at the time. Okay. So this was year two uh-huh. okay. um, of the new building. But I had thought about it and I kind of was like, no, I'm not sure I can do it good <laughs> enough, you know, because I have these high expectations. And uh, sure enough, uh, some things changed around and shifted. And I ended up starting um, working on the show Matilda was my mm-hmm. very first one. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was so neat to me to see that how everything was changed and made and brought together and um, all the different pieces. And the one thing about projection is that I would say that it is this weird meshing of scenic and sound and also the lighting. I uh-huh. mean, to some degree, the projection when it's at its best is all three of those things that kind Just of lighting. merges That's them together. That's what my dad loves to do. He's yes. always distracting me with, okay, what's what's that one? That's a parcel, dad. <laughs> likewise, likewise. <laughs> he taught me a lot as well. Great eye for eye, mm-hmm. for lighting. But I think that's what I love about projection is that it's kind of a mesh of those things. When it's done really well, it's set to music or mm-hmm. it's an extension of the set or, you know, it's helping with lighting or set the tone. And so um, I fell really hard for it. And yes. I was lucky enough that they liked what I had done with the show and they asked me back. And I did another show as a contractor and then I just never left. You never left. <laughs> that's that's theater. We take our seats and it, you're always there. Even yes. when you're not, you're always there. A hundred percent. So what's been your, your favorite production or experience so far at Hill Center? Um, I think Strictly Ballroom was definitely one up there for me. Such a fun show. Uh, it was so fun, so much fun, and it was so different. And like, it's, it's one of those weird ones. I like the musical more than the the movie now. Yes, exactly <laughs> that. Yeah, but uh, to have live cameras on the stage was just this weird like merging of my worlds, and mm-hmm. I really loved that. I had just come back from New York, and I had seen the new production of West Side Story, oh, and it also it. has active cameras in it. And I was thinking about the idea, and I just thought it was neat. Um, So that one was fun. It it helped us kind of push the boundaries of what we'd done um, with our screens in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a bright star for sure. Beautiful. Bright star is always going to be one of those ones that's really subtle for me. Mm -hmm. Um, We had these this giant screen on the back of the theater, and then we had these wood slats that were part of the set over top of it. Mm -hmm. And I had this weird idea one day. I was driving home, and I remembered playing in the backyard when I was a kid. And my parents would drive up, and their lights would track across the fence, and you could see the slat, the light Uh in the slats. And I knew that's what I had to do. And so we spent 
almost that entire show, none of it was really seen as much of what's on the screen, but it was all feeling and felt. <gasps> mm-hmm. So it was this beautiful light pouring through these cracks in the wood. Um, that's always going to be one of my favorites. That's so cool. When right now, um, Les Mis is sold out, correct? Yes, absolutely. Um, there's the uh, Daddy Longlegs. What is it? Yeah, so Daddy Longlegs is such an interesting show. Um, this is in the Jewel Box, the smaller Yes, yeah, so this mm-hmm. is in the smaller theater, and someone described it on Facebook as like the best musical that you've never heard of, mm-hmm. which I thought was a really interesting title for it. But <laughs> it's this beautiful show. It's only got two people in the show, and it's the story of the main character. Her name's Jerusha, and she is an orphan, and it's um, she mysteriously gets this letter of somebody that wants to pay for her to go to school and to be educated. Oh, wow. And it's very interesting as she starts to read books and information about the world, she starts to have this entire part of the world that she's never known open to her. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of pop culture references and literary references and then just these beautiful tracks of this song as she kind of learns who this person is that sent her to school and comes of age and kind of learns to be her own person. Now, and it's a very small cast, correct? Yeah, just two people just and two, then so it's musicians. it's kind of like five, last five years where it's the two yes, playing off each other. Exactly. But they're not really in the same room often, right? Correct. Very but, rarely are they in the same room. Are they in the same? So it's, it's like that. That's so neat. I, I really like that. Yeah. Um, and then you're excited for some of the stuff that's happening next. Yeah, absolutely. We've got Guys and Dolls coming up, which is classic. always going to be probably my first reference points of watching the film when I was younger for yeah, what yeah. musical theater was. Also, my goodness, the color on that film. Yeah. So interesting. Very technicolor. Yeah. I'm really excited to be able to play with guys and dolls and just really see what projection can do in the space. But, And then also that we have opposite in the smaller theater, we have Always Patsy Cline, which is very similar to like a Jersey Boys style film where it kind of dives into um, a little bit of her past and her music. And it's told indirectly through this fan that she meets at one of her shows. And um, both really excited for those stories to come out and for people to see them. And, and what else do we have in this season coming up? Um, there's Secret Garden coming up. That's oh, going to be another one. That's to my garden. <laughs> that's... I always do the, hey, oh, hello there, Robin, whenever I see a Robin outside from, from that show. It's a, that's a beautiful show if you haven't heard of it. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And then we've also got Mousetrap, which is one of the longest-running uh, comedies ever on the West End. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Agatha Christie. It's going to be a wonderful show. Mm-hmm. And then obviously finishing off the year with uh, – Christmas Carol as well, which mm-hmm. is our tradition at Hell Center Theater. And like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang's coming back. Yeah, coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Which everyone loves well, the descent of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or however you're going to do it with this version yeah. of it moving around. It's interesting too. I look into, um, I have a chance to manage our content, our YouTube, and I look mm-hmm. into like past videos and how they've played and things like that. And if you go look at our Chitty Chitty Bang Bang video from when it was done years ago, it's like leaps and bounds more above any of our other videos and views. <laughs> Uh, people just loved the way that car came to life and kind of, uh, you know, pulled apart and things like that. That was too, one of my so. favorite movies as a child, but I sure. also hated it because, you know, the, the creepy kid catcher. Yes, I'm the same way. I have almost the same. Like, it's this love-hate thing. Yeah, we were changing back to doing that show, and I was like, I love that. I can't wait. And I'm also weirded out by it. <laughs> well, and that's wrapping up the 2021 season. You guys have been, have you announced the 2022 season? I feel like that's in my brain, but I don't remember Yeah, what so are. just about to. They just, just actually okay. sent an email out. It was kind of a soft launch. And then I think it's coming um, Monday and Tuesday that so they're going to really close. Okay, yeah. so by the time you guys are hearing this, it might be open. So yes. go to hct.org to, yeah, to go check, check that out. out. The new season. <laughs> Actually, so excited for this. By the time I was ready to publish, they have announced their 2022 season. So we're actually going to take a bit of a break here, and then we're going to come back and insert a brief conversation with Bobby about this season, what it has. And we were so excited. It's actually going to be by phone call. Uh, so hold on. When we come back, we are going to be talking about the newly announced 2022 Hell Center Theater season. Ah! Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? 
in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. to the Fan Effect Podcast. My name is Kellyanne Halverson, and joining once again after a bit of a delay uh, via phone this time is our friend Bobby Gibson from Hill Center Theater. Thank you so much for calling us back today. Absolutely. Thanks for giving me the chance to call back and chat about this awesome season. <laughs> now, we had a good conversation last week about theater in general, the 2021 season that's in the process right now at Hill Center Theater. But Today, you guys have just announced your 2022 season, and I get to talk to you about that right now. Absolutely. So you guys actually are going to do 10 shows this upcoming season, um, and you have them split into sets on both your center stage, which is your primary stage. It seats more people. You guys have a ton of technical things in there that make it possible. And then you also have your jewel box stage, which is a little bit more intimate, a little bit close. Um, so you have five sets of shows that you're going to talk about today. Can you go ahead and yep. I wish I had a drum. I'm going to do a drum roll here. Ready? So the first uh, show on the center stage for the 2022 season is. Uh, we're going to start things off at Treasure Island. Yay. <laughs> now tell me a little bit about this. Is this a musical? Is it a play? Well, we all know the, the book. <laughs> What's cool sure, about this yeah. production? So um, I think the first thing right out of the gate is the, what's great about this one is our center stage is actually crafted and built from the beginning with the idea in mind that we can host water in the center stage. Mm-hmm. And we've got a few things to work out with, you know, what that means for the show. But ultimately, this overall arching idea of water in the center stage and then the boat actually being able to float on the water in the center stage. That is so cool. Have, I'm trying to think back. Have you used the water portion yet for in, in this theater, in the Sandy Theater? No, so that's what's so exciting. We actually were slated in 2020 to do um, Titanic, uh-huh. and that was going to be the first time we had the opportunity to bring the water element to the center stage. But with everything shuffling around with COVID and the pandemic, that was something that we put on shelf for another year, and so this one, or for another season, mm-hmm. and this one is going to end up being the first one that's going to bring water to the center stage, and we couldn't be happier. Well, and what a fun classic storyline to to do this with. So it's pirates. So I'm assuming it's going to be a little bit swashbuckling. I'm I'm assuming and hoping you're going to have a little bit of aerial stuff coming down um, with the the rigging on the ship and everything like that. So um, if if anyone has been you know hidden for the last two hundred or so years, Treasure Island. That's the story of fourteen uh, year old Jim Hawkins, John Silver. They're going to try to find this treasure. There's a complex line of of a hero and a villain, and it just sounds like a, a really fun production of this. There's there's multiple productions of Treasure Island. This is the the Ken Ludwig. Now it's it's a play, correct? Not a musical. Um, actually, this does have some music in it and musical elements to oh, it as fun. well. Yes, so. This is kind of one of those ones that I would put maybe middle of the pack when it comes to that. Oh, that's exciting. Well, and everyone loves a sea shanty, so I'm, I'm hoping we'll get a couple of those in there. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, this is going to be a beautiful show. Like you said, there is a very unique design language when it comes to the idea of being on a pirate ship and mm-hmm. all things that can ensue. And our center stage is one of those stages that's really just built, honestly, for things like this. And we're very excited to play with the element of water. Yes, and this is winter, so this is going to be like starting probably January. So if you're looking into Treasure Island, it's going to be January 29th through March 19th. And then over on on the jewel box for this winter, we have a farce that's called One for the Pot. Can you tell me a little bit about that? As a theater lover myself, I get to see a ton of shows, but this is not one that I've got to check off my list yet. And so I'm excited to be bringing a title that's, you know, a more unique title to the stage. Um, And kind of the main idea of the plot is there's this wealthy kind of businessman that's interested in passing on his fortune. And there's some very odd stipulations that kind of arise for the passing on of this fortune. That sounds fun. And uh, so it's a play. Is Is it a musical? It is an all a play, and I would put it in the same realm of like a gentleman's guide or something like that. That's kind of this farce. There's also some elements of like um, one person playing multiple roles and things like that. Very similar oh, to some I of the other shows. Oh, I love that trope. <laughs> That's going to be so fun. Yes, That's great. absolutely. Um, and what's the dates for that one? 
Um, so that one is going to be on our Jewel Box stage from January 10th through April 2nd. And then April, we leads us into the center stage here for your spring show, but you don't get to tell me that. It's to be announced, correct? I don't. <laughs> yeah, that one we've got a TBA, and I don't get to talk about it yet. Okay. The one thing that I will say is that it is, one of those kind of shows that's going to bring just an absolute adornment from the level of talent and interest that is put into this musical blockbuster. So I'm excited for that to be something Ooh. that we can share with you. And I, I feel like you gave us a bit of a, a hint there with musical blockbuster. So I, I can't wait to, I mean, to find I out. I mean, maybe I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sally said the same thing on the announcement video. So I, I, I think I can yes. emphasize blockbuster for now. Uh, do you guys have any idea yes, when you're going to do you have any idea when you're going to actually announce this? So we're going to be able to announce that in the fall. It's something that I'm really looking forward to. And if you follow along on our social media channels, that's going to be one of the first places you'll see that. And um, where are those social channels? So you can check us out on Instagram at Health Center Theater and then on Facebook under Health Center Theater as well. Okay, so we'll have to keep an eye on there in the fall for whatever this blockbuster announcement's going to be. Uh, but over on the Jewel Box stage, you have a classic movie turned musical, The Light on the Piazza, which I have just heard is is beautiful. I've seen bits and pieces of, of the musical at reviews and such. Never seen the whole thing, so I'm kind of excited to see this one. Absolutely, as am I. This is another one of those ones that's kind of always been on my nerdy musical theater person list of shows to attain towards. And just to really understand this story, there's so much there. There's this beautiful music. Um, it's very, um, I would almost say operatic and interesting in that way where some of the dialogue is sung through. Cool. That being said, not all of the dialogue is sung through. It's not like Les is in that sense, but it does have some of that same ornateness that comes with some of that operatic feel. Oh, fun. Uh, and what are the dates for that one? Um, so this one is going to be in the Jewel Box from April 18th through June 18th. Awesome. And now we move into the summer season, and this one is probably the one I'm most excited for. We're going to be on the center stage. It looks like we're bringing a little bit of that water element back because you are doing the classic singing in the rain. We are, we are, and I, too, am excited to see this one. <laughs> when I looked at the shows for this season, the overall arching idea of just shows that I've always wanted to see and or seen staged in a more you know, basic manner, I would love to see them kind of go all out. This one's going to be in the center stage. This one's going to give us the opportunity to you know, challenge the design team to work with water and to see how they can incorporate that. I mean, yeah, I hope there's going to be a rain. Um, we'll see how the design teams really bring this one to life. So I'm just excited after seeing how beautiful American in Paris was, how wonderful the choreography is going to be on this, and how you're going to use that stage and those those elements uh, for it as well. Uh, what are the dates for those? So Singing in the Rain is going to be June 15th through August 13th, and that's also going to be in the center stage. It is arguably one of the greatest movie musicals of all time, I mean, depending on who you ask, but most would at least pass it up there and make it. (laughs) (laughs) And so then we're going to move over to the Jewel Box for the summer, and this one was really interesting. When when Sally explained it on the video, I actually had to go look it up because it seemed like something I'd be interested in, and I kind of went down this rabbit hole uh, looking at some of the historical characters in it and even reading part of the script that I was able to find online uh so in the jewel box we have silent sky now this is something that people don't really know about so if you can tell a little bit of the story and then go into what you're excited about production wise that'd be great yeah absolutely so silent sky is the story of henrietta levitt and this begins with the harvard observatory hiring her to essentially be a human calculator Mm -hmm. and this is a unique thing because they would use these calculations as they looked into the telescope to try to chart the differences in stars and kind of where everything was. Uh And the unique thing about this story is as she's being asked to complete these complex equations and this human calculator for Harvard, she hadn't even been given the chance to look into the telescope (laughs) and to really help with the math that they were using to chart the stars she hadn't even got to see because it just wasn't this thing that women were allowed to do at the time in this particular, you know, observatory. But it's one of those stories that I am just really excited to learn more about. And it's one of those things like you, as soon as I heard about this idea and what she had done, I kind of dove in and went down the rabbit hole. So I'm seeing a lot of with, you know, astrological charts and stars and all of those things and these beautiful things that we can bring to some of the technology. Again, it will be so lovely to see what the design teams bring to this show. I just got chills when you said uh, like the astrological signs and charts and stuff as, as I was imagining the stars being projected onto the screens and whatnot. Oh, yeah, total. You can hear That's how I was too. I get a chance to play in that one. And when they told me about this, I was like, yes, like <laughs> when do you ever, 
get to play with that design language and really dive into that and have it land so heavily as part of a story. That's so cool. And this is, takes place in the early 1900s, so that it seems like there's going to be a lot of real fun scenic and set challenges as well. Definitely. I mean, it, it all has its own design language itself. I mean, like anything does, but it's this mm-hmm. really rich, interesting design language. And I'm excited to see what the combination of, you know, the stars and being able to put those on the screens or, you know, whatever we end up resting with design wise, but really just strong design language throughout and a wonderful human interest story. And what's the dates on that one? Um, so this one will be June 27th through August 27th in the Jewel Box, okay. which means I get to play with that giant back wall screen, and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it, and we're just talking about it. <laughs> yes. All right, so we go from the Jewel Box. Now we're going to head back to the center stage for your fall shows, and we have the classic, the wonderful, the very American, the unsinkable Molly Brown. Yes. So this is one I'm very interested in learning. Many talk about this one as this classic Broadway story. Mm-hmm. Kind of said, oh, that show, you know, it needs to be reworked or things like that. And that's what's so exciting about this opportunity that we have. This show has been looked at. It's been re, um, reworked and new music has been, you know, brought back out of the library to be really? able to put into this show. It's this completely, you know, updated and changed version of the unthinkable Molly Brown. And we're excited to talk more about it and to be able to do this. This will be considered an actual regional premiere for us, which is really exciting because it'll be the first time that this show has been seen with these updated changes. Mm -hmm. And so we're very excited to play with this. Um, The story of this show is ultimately this idea of our main character. She has a chance to fall in love. She ends up traveling to Europe. Um, Then she ends up on the Titanic as Mm -hmm. it comes back. The Titanic actually sinks. And she's one of the survivors from the Titanic. And so as she gets back home and things like that, the paper and like the news starts, you know, coining this phrase as the unthinkable Molly Brown because she was one of the survivors of the Titanic. That is so cool. And it's it's definitely a rags to riches story. I love the classic Meredith Wilson music and lyrics. So it's going to be interesting to seeing how that's been updated for um, our current generation. Uh, What are you excited about? production-wise for the show? Um, I think this one also is just going to be one of those interesting things. It takes place over, you know, a fair amount of time. We're mm-hmm. looking into this Rags to Riches story like you talked about. But there's some very interesting design language that can come with the Europe part where she actually travels over to Europe and then also with the Titanic piece and this whole idea of just kind of telling this story again and having a chance to retell this classic story. So I'm very excited to see how this one will go. Well, I'm looking at this and even the rags to riches, I, I bet the uh, costumes are going to be just amazing for this. That's one of the fun things I, I love to watch when there's a variety of, of times and when there's a passing of time, you see uh, and, you know, and also passing of where she is economically. I'm excited to see where what the costumes and set is going to look like so that one's going to be super fun for me uh what is the dates for that one so the unthinkable molly brown is going to be in the center stage and it is august 29th through october 29th oh fantastic um then over at the jewel box we have uh lucky stiff which it sounds a bit similar to an earlier one uh the one for the pot because it has something to do with you have to complete tasks in order to get the money from a relative who's recently passed on So this one is more in the realm of like a murder mystery. And this is one that I'm still learning a little bit more information about and trying to really, you know, dive into. Mm -hmm. Um, I was very excited to have presented with the idea of really having the opportunity to see a bunch of shows that I hadn't seen before or really learn more about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm excited to learn it personally myself. But yes, there are some similar things in this one. This one's got some murder mystery. It's also got this whole idea of millions of dollars and diamonds. And it's funny when people talk about it, they can't help but say something (laughs) like um, similar to the plot of like Weekend at Bernie's where they're, you know, He ends up dying before he has a chance, and so, you know, he's put into a wheelchair and, you know, moved around or whatever. So Take it to Monte Carlo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, this one's the one I'm still learning. The more I learn, I just go, this is going to set the stage nicely. Yeah, when I read the description, I had to go on YouTube and look at a few different um, uh, versions of it and and the musical scenes and stuff. So it seems pretty fun. Uh, This is Lucky Stiff. It's on the Jewel Box Theater. What What are the dates for that one? So Lucky Stiff is going to be September 12th through November 19th. So we move from the Jewel Box, we move from the fall season more into the holiday season here, and you guys are bringing back your classic uh, tradition, Christmas Carol in the Jewel Box Theater. 
Absolutely. A Christmas Carol is one of those shows that has always been one of the lifebloods or, you know, the heartbeat of our theater. It's something we get to do every year and we welcome families in around the holidays and just have an opportunity to share this beautiful story from Charles Dickens. And this one, like you said, will be in our jewel box. And that's always a wonderful production and you always find ways to, to make it a little different year to year. It's a family tradition for many people. And, you know, just a reminder, when the ticket sales go on, try to get them early because they, they tend to go pretty fast is, is what um, my experience has told me. <laughs> yeah, they definitely do. It's always funny. I'm learning that just right around that time of year when we see our first big mm-hmm. winter storm is typically <laughs> when the box office kind of skyrockets with the sales for this show. But yes, you are correct. Tickets do become hard to come by. We had a wonderful opportunity last year um, with everything with COVID happening to film the show and to actually put it into Megaplex theaters. And I'm excited to see if that's an opportunity that we'll get to do this year as well. Well, and as we've talked about before, um, when we're talking about In the Heights that's coming to theater this weekend, it, there's something cool about um, taking a story from one medium into another. So by bringing it to the movie theaters, you guys were able to widen your audience and, and maybe make it so people who maybe wouldn't go to the theater is able to see it. So that's kind of a fun thing that yeah. you guys were able to do. I, I love that you took a challenge yeah. and made it into something different and inspiring and opening up to more people. So that was a cool one. <laughs> yeah, it was wonderful. My goodness, it was something that I'd, I, my background is film. Mm-hmm. And so we were, we came across the challenge and we had, I think we had five and a half days from the day that we wrapped principal photography on the film to edit it and to give it and to turn it over. <laughs> and so that was just a rush to be able to put that all together and work with the cast and get that edit made and get it over to Megaplex and to see your work on the big screen. And like you said, to be able to share it with multiple people across other mediums. That's so cool. Well, and so you're, you're bringing that back this year. You're bringing it again in 2022. But to end the 2022 season, I'm excited for this one because I'm a big Disney fan. And how Sally described it on the announcement video just made it sound like this is going to be a magic experience. And it is a magical story of Disney's Little Mermaid. This is going to be on the center stage. It's your holiday show. <gasps> I love Hans Christian Andersen. I love this version of it. I've, I've done this version of it. Tell me about what you're excited for The Little Mermaid. Absolutely. So I think in our announcement video, Sally said this best. And Casey, our you know scenic and production designer, he actually had a chance mm-hmm. to talk about this one as well. And it's it's just one of those shows that you think about things that are made for the center stage and you just go, yes. Um, uh-huh. I love the idea that they talked about with you know having – the center stage, kind of this fishbowl to be able to have this magical story under the sea take place in. And so I'm really excited. I think Sally and Casey said it best on our announcement video. If you haven't had a chance to watch that yet, go check it out. They've got some really great, interesting things Mm -hmm. to share about how we're going to bring this to life. Oh, and it just sounds amazing. And I love the idea of of you being in a fishbowl because that's like literally the the shape of the audience. It's a center stage. The center is is below you. It's kind of the raked seating all around you. So it feels like a a fishbowl. And when you also include all the different elements that can come down, that can come up, as well as the projections around you. It just seems like it's going to be a really fun and magical experience and a very family-friendly experience for uh, the center stage year and for that time of year. Yes, it's going to be just one of those things. I think we've all, you know, seen and lived with and loved the story of The Little Mermaid. And then just to be able to bring it to life in this new medium, in this new space, mm. is going to be wonderful. It's one I just can't wait for. Oh, definitely. And it's Disney, so I'm going to love it no matter what. <laughs> hey, right? Disney around the holidays, getting together with the family. That's going to be great. All right. So that is the 2022 season. I'm going to read through really quick. Jay, get my paperworks once more so uh 2022 season winter center stage treasure island uh winter jewel box one for the pot spring center stage he won't tell me but he says blockbuster (laughs) fall (laughs) fall they will announce it look on their social media hell center theater um spring jewel box the light on the piazza super excited about that one musical sounds a little bit more operatic i will see that one (laughs) summer (laughs) center stage the big show i'm so excited for this year singing in the rain i can't wait to see what you guys do with that jewel box silent sky a play it sounds amazing it sounds historical there's going to be so many good opportunities for projections with the stars in there Mm -hmm. center stage the unsinkable molly brown 
For anyone who knows this, this is a classic musical, Meredith Wilson's music and lyrics, but it's been updated for a more modern audience. Um, Over on the Jewel Box in the fall, we have Lucky Stiff, also seems super interesting and fun. A little bit of Weekend at Bernie's. (laughs) Uh, And for the holidays, (laughs) of course, they're bringing back Christmas Carol in the Jewel Box. And in the center stage, they have the magical Disney's The Little Mermaid, where they're going to be turning it into basically a big fishbowl. So excited for that. Uh, Real quick, if people are interested in purchasing tickets for the show, for the season even, where do they go find them? When are they available? Absolutely. So our dates for our season renewal will be announced and pushed out and things like that over the next little bit. Mm -hmm. But logging onto our website at hct.org is going to be the best place to find that information, as well as on our social channels as well. Typically, it's right around the August 1st realm that tickets go on sale to the general public. Mm -hmm. And then we have a different time frame for those season ticket holders that are renewing. Thank you so much for calling and let us know about this after our our conversation uh, last week, which we are going to get back into in just a minute after this break. Uh, This has been Bobby Gibson of Hell Center Theater discussing the 2022 season that's just been announced for Hell. Thank you so much, Bobby. And I'm going to continue our conversation after this break. I'm your host, Kellyanne Halverson. Thank you for that little bit break there to get us into the 2022 season. Uh, I'm continuing our conversation with Bobby Gibson of Hale Center Theater. We've been picking his brain about all things theater life, about working at Hale Center Theater, and we're going to continue on that front, uh, talking a bit more about favorite productions, dream productions, and why we love uh, doing the arts here in Utah. All right, so Bobby... What is your dream show? Oh, wow. My dream show. Um, if you want to take a time to think, I, I can tell you. Two it, of mine. If I got to, to work on the show, dream show that I got let, to work let's on. Do, so for mine, I have one I want to be in and one I want to work on. So let, <laughs> let's let's do that. I don't know if you ever, are you, do you actually go on the stage at all? I've never been on the stage, but okay. I've always wanted to. Okay. And <laughs> I know that this might sound like culturally unsound, but I've always, always, always wanted to be Usnavi and in the high school. <laughs> Which we just talked about. Yeah, it that's was fantastic. With the film coming out and things like that. I just remember hearing that music for the first time, and I just couldn't learn every word fast enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it comes to shows that I want to work on, I would love to work on the show called Once. Uh huh. And then also Dear Evan Hansen. Um, I love the way that the social media aspect of Dear Evan Hansen is almost a character. Yeah. Oh, that'd be really good with projection yeah. stuff. I I'm not yeah. as familiar with Dear Evan Hansen. Oh my goodness, I'm excited for you to get to see it. It's... I I am excited. It's coming out soon, yes. and I'm not going to follow my co-host Andy's advice, which is go in not knowing. I like Don't going in it. knowing. <laughs> Don't do <laughs> it. It's so funny for me because there's shows where I like refuse to learn anything, and then there's other shows where I know I need to. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, but both of those, I think it would be awesome to be able to represent present the social media aspect of Dear Evan Hansen. That would be really cool. I think mine are, um, so to be in a show, Ragtime is like basically my favorite musical of all time. It's so poignant. It's so beautiful. I love the book, but I love the musical version even more. Oh, right. Audrey McDonald uh, as that the original uh, Sarah. Oh, my gosh. And like e- like every day I'm basically singing parts of it. I'm to go out and tell your oh, story. I- that's beautiful. It's gorgeous. If you guys haven't seen it, go see it. It's beautiful. Um, I would love to be Emma Goldman in that someday. And like, and I think part of me also is I'm more of a uh, – I don't have the same talent as other actors. Like I'm, I'm good at doing stuff like this in voice, but I just don't have the passion So <laughs> have be you like been on the stage? Have you acted? Many times, Oh, yes. very cool. Yeah. Um, but like to be a side character like Emma Goldman, who is also this very strong historical character as well, yes. I think that would be just – Absolutely amazing. And her songs, you know, he wanted to say, I am not who I appear to be. Just that, that would be amazing. Or even Mother would be a wonderful part. Oh, of course. There's so much power in those lyrics. So good. So, so good. So I think if I was in a show, that's the one I'd be like, okay, I'll... I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Well, I hope you find it. That would be great. (laughs) But then a show I really want to do, and I don't know if you've seen it because it's very obscure, um... 
in Animal Kingdom at Disney World, they had Finding Nemo, the oh my musical. Goodness, right? Have you ever seen that? No. So we just barely went with my kids, and I was heartbroken to hear <laughs> that it was not open. Yeah. Sadly, it's been closed right now because yep. of the pandemic. I don't know if they're bringing it back. I had heard things that they were, but I'm fingers crossed that they do. But, you know, it, it's just barely been released. Like, uh, I think MTI, Musical Theater International, has uh-huh. it released. I, it might not even be a full version. It might just be the junior version. Yeah. It is the funnest show Ever. I, saw, it is. <laughs> I saw some clips and I just remember being like, of course, this would work so good. And like, I know it by heart and I forget other people don't know it. <laughs> You're like, get on my level. Get on my level. <laughs> this is fantastic. Um, and they, they do a, you can watch the whole thing on YouTube if you guys oh, want to go check it out. That's and happening. you can listen, That the soundtrack is out on, um, like I have it on Amazon. Prime. Oh, wonderful. I listen to it all the time. Um, so it's Nemo. It's a musical version. They, they do a Just Keep Swimming song. Oh, of course they and do. And it is the best. And it got me through my mission when I was having a really hard time. Like, just Aww. keep swimming. Just Isn't it keep great swimming. how those things Everything pop into your head? okay. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's why it, it sticks with you. Things stick it with does. you. Um, but I think that would be the funnest one. And even just like creating puppets for it. Cause oh, they do, right. The puppets are the actual animals and the actors are there. There's different songs. There's tap dancing sharks. There's, you know... There's this, this stupid throwaway gag where they're they're telling Merlin's story, uh, Marlin's story about how he and it's passing along like a telephone game of how he's trying searching the ocean to find his son. Sure. And at one point, there's these pe- penguin um, flying in the air talking to each other, and they're like telling about Mer- Marlin. And then one of them goes, "Wait a second, penguins can't fly." And they yell and they fall out of the sky. I'm like, this is the stupidest thing, but it's the funniest thing for me. You're like, I'm here for this. So like, I would I would do that in a heartbeat. And it's oh, a shorter show awesome. too, so it's good for kids. Um, and then of course I mentioned uh, Poseidon Adventure, the musical. <laughs> I'm really gonna have to find that one. That's <laughs> you can't find it anywhere. There's a version of it that was like sanctioned by the owners of Poseidon Adventure. Sure, but the, this is not the. Um, it's not, not the Snow version. College version. It was this, yeah. It's not the Snow College version, <laughs> which I think we still have the CD somewhere floating around. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, <laughs> it's funny you talking about Nemo makes me think of another one because of the pandemic. There is a cruise show, cruise ship version of Tangled. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, did you watch it? Oh my gosh, that one's a fantastic right. one as well. I was like, why isn't this a thing already? And I understand it's on a cruise ship, sure, and they're mm-hmm. maybe testing it. Maybe they'll be in at a later time. But well, that's what they with Beating the Beast. Like they started in the parks and yeah. on the cru- and and eventually. Came came to Broadway and yeah. now it's a staple. I'm ready for that one to graduate to Broadway. I think that would be mm-hmm. really cool. So hopefully they do do something like that. But if you haven't had a chance, definitely check out the video on YouTube. Yes, and it's and it's such a fun one to 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 see. I that was I got to see that in, in person. I've only been on one cruise in oh, my life. It was a big family vacation. Jealous. It was so good. Yeah, it um, looked really great. They also have a little like it's kind of a I don't know what you would call it a mixture but a bunch of different shows that's like if you dream it you oh can, yeah, yeah it's, like a review one it's a really fun one oh that's awesome <laughs> I think that's what's fun also really cool about musicals we have all these different styles that can come together uh, have you seen something rotten yes of course there there's a, a part the whole concept of it is it's a a, a different writer in Shakespeare's time that's a bit jealous of him and wants to make a bigger show than him. So he goes to – one of the things he goes to a soothsayer. And he's like, the biggest thing in the future is going to be musicals. And they have this whole song about how stupid music – the I, concept of musicals. It's the best. And there's Cats and Annie and <laughs> everything mixed into it. And they're like talking about how stupid it would be for – uh, someone to stop singing and just dance just because as they're having this big chorus line number. So I, I love I love the variety you can I do get too. with musicals. I love that. <laughs> I love when the shows have reference points for like other shows as well. Like in Hamilton when he sings the little nobody needs to, to know. know. You know, like the last five years and other things. I love those little <laughs> nods. Sure. He does the uh, Aida or like yeah. yeah. There's there's so many fun things going on and all the nods to like hip hop references too. <laughs> We're in Utah. So your health center theater, mm-hmm. um, and that's probably the the most widely known local theater here. Absolutely. Um, there's also the health center Orem branch, uh-huh. a little bit smaller. Awesome shows there as well. Absolutely. Um, we have Pioneer Theater Company at the U. We have Center Point Theater up at, in Centerville. Uh, we have lots of little local ones, and particularly ones um, here in Utah that are uh, in Salt Lake City that are a little bit more avant garde, mm-hmm. co- counterculture, black um, box, black box theater mm-hmm. type experiences. Uh, but what's really cool Cool. And, and I know this from when I worked at Mills Publishing, who does all the, a lot of the pay, playbills and events um, around here. Uh, Utah, we see more theater and live performing events than like anywhere else. 
in America. We're like number one, which is crazy. It is crazy. Which is absolutely crazy. But like you, when you go to the Eccles, you see, oh yeah, we're <laughs> we're we're the biggest here. Um, and we've also been voted like the most nerdly state by by Time Magazine, and we're just very supportive of each other. Absolutely. Um, what is your favorite thing about being a part of the arts culture and the fan culture that is Utah? Um, I just think there's so much talent. So mm-hmm. to go along with that nerdiness and those things you referenced, I just think there's a lot of un, like tapped talent. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of people that maybe don't even know how great they are. <laughs> you know, I see people on local stages all the time and I just go, mm-hmm. I have seen plenty of people on Broadway stages that, you know, may not be at this level or mm-hmm. may not be connected with mm-hmm. them. And it's almost like that line with like there's like a pop song or something where they talk about like not knowing she doesn't know she's beautiful kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I think that's exactly what my favorite part is is that mm-hmm. there's almost this like we're not even aware yeah. of it. We of just how, do it. How unique it is. That that yeah. is a really big point. Yeah, I think that we're not really aware of how unique it is and I don't think anyone really understands the depth of it. Yeah. So I think that's probably my favorite part about it. But then just being able to do it and, like, mm-hmm. be here and, like, being a part of it and being able to go to different shows so readily. Yeah. And like you said, like, we have, like, the Eccles all the way down to some smaller, like, mm-hmm. black box theaters. And sometimes those little intimate experiences uh-huh. and these smaller theaters and even, like, our children's theater is really big here. Yep. And, and we really strive to have a really good production and we support each other with different arts councils and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I love going to some of those smaller black box shows. They're scrappy and they get a lot done and... You know, they spend time connecting mm-hmm. with the material more than, than than others do, and really telling the story. So I think there's a place for all of it. I think yeah. I think Helsinki Theater is definitely known for spectacle and the mm-hmm. side of things, and then there's well because you times. have this the round the theater yeah. the round you can do yeah. things a bit differently. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the other part is that we have this wide variety of you know like black box theaters <laughs> all the way up to the Eccles. You know. Well, and that's that's what I always tell people when they're like, okay, what should I go see? Because I'm always on now playing Utah, and I'm trying to find things for this job and sure. and like. I above everything else, I consider myself an arts advocate. Sure. So that's what I'm always trying to do. I'm like, well, what type of show right. are you what trying are you to see? For? <laughs> okay, you want to go to this venue or you want to go to this venue. This is happening right now. This is coming in through through the, the city. I I just did. It's kind of stupid, but I, <laughs> did you see the Jurassic Quest drive through that came through the dinosaur thing? Absolutely. I didn't get to go to it, but I saw all about I, it. I did that, and I got to do an interview with him, and it was really fun because oh, he so interviewed neat. in character as oh. that he plays there. And just silly stuff like that. It's so much fun. There's Absolutely. lots of cool stuff coming here. So you talked about some really great performers. Is there anyone at local? Is there anyone you want to shout out real quick? I, my goodness, and I cannot think of his name. I'm going to be a terrible person. You, you can look it up your phone Her, real quick. Sure, and let I'll, me hear and look it up. <laughs> I was really lucky. I went to Riverton High School, um, graduated in 2004, and it's one of the best local theater uh, and particularly musical theater programs around. And I had so many freaking talented people that I went to school there. And my friend Sean Bishop, he – is phenomenal. He's often in different shows around here. Um, I saw him a few years ago at the Grand Theater. They did Urine Town. He was Bobby Strong in oh, it. Yes, so good. He's also the lead up at Weaver um, in a Xanadu the musical. Oh, that's awesome. Also really funny. Also one of my favorite obs- semi obscure movies. <laughs> very, very. I, I always sing I'm Alive. Um, oh, that's awesome. Um, so I, I want to shout out him, and I'm trying to think of some local friends. The Calls, Angie and Dan Call. They do a lot at Center Point Theater. They're just phenomenal as well um and even like going to hell you guys have some awesome performers as well do you do you have any you want to kind of point yeah, out? yeah so i back to that fun home uh we were talking about earlier with fun home when salt lake acting company did it um there's a gentleman and a local actor and he's done a bunch of stuff his name's benjamin henderson mm-hmm. and he was the dad in fun home which mm-hmm. if you're familiar with the show is probably one of the most challenging roles that i'm aware of really and he nailed it. Like, I remember walking out of that, and we had a chance when we sat on Broadway. We saw Michael Cerveus, Cerve- I, uh, I think is his name. Okay. We saw Michael Cerveus in the original, and he was wonderful. But to see ben- Benjamin do this show and to just really, I don't know, you have to go to such a vulnerable place to be able to pull it off. And so he's absolutely one that I would shout out. And he's done some shows at Hale, and I just kind of marvel in, like, him and his craft. I mm-hmm. think he does a really great job. And I think about... 
what's really great, too, about working with a lot of the local people here, um, and I've done shows all over the valley or interviewed or, or watched and, and been a part of the backstage type of stuff just because I love observing that. It's my favorite part. It's great. They're, everyone really gets along pretty well, too. Like, yeah. you don't have kind of as much as the diva mentality most of the time. Yeah. Actually, I see more diva mentality in little community productions than I do in, in these professionals. Everyone is so grateful to, to be there and supporting each other. Yeah, I've experienced that as well. I think that's a great point. Mm-hmm. So I just... Uh, I just want to say go out, support the arts, support the theater. Um, I'm going to try to, to swing by uh, Hell Center and see, see some stuff coming up soon. I yeah, haven't definitely. seen Daddy Long Legs. But... Oh, it's about to close. Please go see oh, it. I'll In fact, try. let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> My dad loved it. My mom and dad went and saw it, and they came back, and they just were floored by That's... that. So go out there. Go experience the arts. Um, Hell Center Theater, hct.org. Um, if you want to just see a general what's going on in Utah for the arts, go to nowplayingutah.com. Um, and they also do like different festivals, events. I actually, I really like some of the online lecture stuff I've discovered through oh, there. Yeah. So that's a good thing to, to do there. Bobby, thank you for joining us today. And you're also going to be on. Make sure you guys go check out the In the Heights podcast. We just did a very deep dive. <laughs> Dove into the movie. Thanks for having me so much. Yeah, and the Andy was with us. It might end up being our longest <clears throat> podcast ever. It's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> Go support the arts. Go be amazing people. Um, thank you for joining us. And thank you, listeners, for listening to this episode of Fan Effect, a KSL News Radio podcast. Beyond sci fi, fantasy, gaming, and tech, we are excited to share with you knowledge and even our arguments, particularly when it's me and Andy, <laughs> on everything pop culture and fandom based in the beautiful Beehive State, Fan Effect celebrates Utah's unique fan culture. And we are excited to bring you uh, local guests that feel the same way, like our wonderful Bobby Gibson here. Definitely do. <laughs> I'm your host and producer, Kellyanne Halverson. Uh, listen regularly, reg you, every time. I'm gonna I believe. Keep that in. I'm going to keep that in. <laughs> <laughs> Listen regularly on your favorite platform at kslnewsradio.com, kslpodcast.com, or on the KSL News Radio app. Do you have a fun idea or local fan culture topic you want you would like us to explore? Let us know by messaging our Facebook page at Fan Effect Show, uh, where you can also get the latest nerdly updates and join in on the conversation. Uh, follow on our Instagram at Fan Effect Show, Twitter at Fan Effect Show. But we are most active on our Facebook page, and we are trying to build that. So invite others if you like us. Uh, thanks again for listening. We hope to have you back real soon for another episode of. Fan effect. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.